0: So how many of you have ever had to reset your phone or your computer because it's frozen up and it's not functioning properly? Anyone like that? Yeah, I, you know, we, from time to time you just gotta hard shut it down and give it that opportunity to be able to reset. I can remember as a kid, the, you know, we used to have the old towers with my old uh, PC. I can remember as a kid when computers were first coming on, you had that, that modem dial up that you had to dial and you took it you know over the phone line. There was times as a kid that I would slap the side of my tower to get it to, to, to work and it would. <laughs> it's like it's like somehow I had a built-in reset. You know, sometimes we all get so bogged down in life that we just need a reset. We need a do-over, we need a second chance, we need to start again. And I think As we reflect over the past 18 months, we have seen an incredible reset in our thinking of our nation and our world. Things that we could count on before are no longer trustworthy. Things that we depended on are no longer there. Liberties that we took for granted are gone. People we cared about are separated or they're gone from us. It seems as though somewhat we as a country and even a world, we have been in somewhat of an exile. It seems that we have been in somewhat of a bondage when we think about everything that has been thrown at us over these last 18 months. But through all of this, I can confidently say, I believe in God. I believe that God is in control. I believe that God has a plan. I believe that He is working that plan. I believe in God. Say that with me. I believe in God. God knows, God, this, this what has happened to us did not catch him by surprise. I believe, that God is looking for us to have a reset, to reset the way we think about life and community. We're going to head down the path of resetting our hearts and minds over the next few weeks, and we're going to look at a little bit bigger picture at the character of God in difficult situations. We're going to look at our responses two difficult situations, and our, dis- our response many a times determines our outcome. You know, we can try to rush back to normal. We can take advantage of the reset and chart a nor- new path for our lives. What is the point of a do-over? What is the point of a reset if we're doing the same things over again? So let's take advantage of this, what I'm going to call a divine reset, and let's look at life differently. Maybe, just maybe, we can have different outcomes in our family, in our church, in our communities as a part of this reset. So what we're going to look at over the next few weeks is we're going to work through the first part of the book of Ezra. Ooh, how many you guys have ever heard a message out of Ezra before? We're going to look at out of Ezra in our time together over the next few weeks. So let me, Ezra is a historical book in the Old Testament, and it kind of talks about a reset, a reset that was happening in the nation of Israel. So in order for me to get there, let me kind of set the table. So if we're going to eat a good meal together, there has to be the hard work of cooking to get us to that meal. So let me do a little bit of... A preparation here for us before we get into our text so you guys kind of understand the historical context of what's happening in Ezra and our passage together. We remember that most of the Jewish Old Testament is is descriptive literature, meaning that it describes what God did and it looks at how the people responded to what God did. It's much like reading a history book of historical facts. A mistake occurs when we take the Jewish scriptures and we prescribe them as steps that would apply to our lives today. We need to see overarching principles of the character of God and people and apply those things. Let's think about it this way. Let's just say you know, Samson in the Old Testament, he was known for his long hair. He grew his long hair and his long hair was the source of his strength. Now, if a way that to misinterpret the Old Testament would to say, you know, Samuel had long hair, if I grow my hair long, then I'll have strength like Samuel. No, that's misinterpreting and misapplying the Old Testament. During the first part of COVID, I, grew, I didn't cut my hair for four months, and I didn't get any stronger, I can tell you that. You know, if it made me get stronger, I'd let my hair grow all the way down the floor. But that's just not the way that things work. You know, in the Jewish scriptures in the Old Testament, there's 39 books written before Jesus came to this earth. They tell us of the story of the first man, the first family, the first nation God chose. They show us the story of the coming Messiah and the brokenness in humanity. In the Old Testament, it's really you've got four different types of genre in the Old Testament. You have the law, you have historical books that we're going to look at today, poetry, and then prophets. And what happens sometimes because of the order that they're placed in the Old Testament people kind of get mixed up on the chronological um, order of events. So when we see Ezra before Psalms and Isaiah and Daniel and many others, our minds assume that because that book is before those, that it happened chronologically before. But that's, that's not the case. The fact is that Ezra recounts events after much of the Jewish scriptures were written, especially the prophets. In fact, only Nehemiah, Malachi and parts of Psalms are after Ezra. So really, Ezra is almost really at the end of the Old Testament. There's not much that comes after that. You know, these, it was Ezra's contemporaries of Esther, Haggai, and Zechariah. So that's kind of where we fall with, with Ezra. Now let me set, zoom in just a little closer on our context this morning. The nation of Israel, Judah and the tribes of Benjamin, they were taken out into captivity because of their turning their back upon God. Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, we looked at that last summer, took them out into captivity, and they were there in Babylon during this captivity. Jeremiah the prophet told the people of Israel of a coming invasion of a new world power. Babylon would come and take the people captive if there was not a revival, or we would say today for the sake of our sermon series, if there was not a reset in their mind in the way that they view and worshiped God. He told the people who the enemy king was and what he would do. He also told them how long the captivity would be. Now, when you start questioning, is God's word true? You can look at the prophets of old and see how those prophecies came true by history. History always supports God's word to be true. He told them it would last 70 years, and that it would go through two empires. God stirred the heart of a new monarch named Cyrus to make a proclamation of the return of the people to their homeland. Think about this. God told Isaiah... 210 years before the events would happen, that this is what would happen. And he even gave the name of the ruler to Isaiah. It's, that's just mind-boggling for me to think about. Isaiah 44:28. When I say of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. He will certainly do as I say. He will command, rebuild Jerusalem. He will say, restore the temple. Now imagine this. Imagine picking up the Jewish, you know, at that time it would have been like parchment or scrolls from Isaiah and seeing your name and a prophecy about you from 210 years ago. That's nuts to think about. That would have been like almost revolutionary wartime to put it in perspective for us today. Like, can you imagine like you know, like George Washington or someone writing some kind of prophecy about you and you reading that, boom, that would like blow your your mind away. But what the the historian Josephus, he tells us, the Jewish historian tells us that Cyrus the Great himself read the prophecy of, of Isaiah. And that's where we pick up our story today. So the nation of Israel has been in captivity in Babylon. Babylon fell to the next great empire, which was the Medes and the Persian Empire. And Cyrus is the king over the Persian Empire, and that's where we pick up verse 1. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. We'll stop right there. We see here that a second chance occurs when God stirs the hearts of leaders. God stirs the hearts of leaders. The word stir here is also, we can also interpret that awaken. We talk about leaders, we All in here that today can define ourselves as leaders—leaders in our homes, leaders in the classroom, leaders in the workplace. God provides a second chance when He stirs the hearts of leaders to stir, or is to literally to incite, to be excited, to be triumphant. You know, over the last 18 months. We have all, I think at some point, had our hearts stirred or awakened. We have been awakened to the fact that we are not in control of everything that we thought we were in control of. We have been awakened to the frailty of humanity. We have been stirred with the brevity of life. We have been stirred with the sanctity of life. We have been awakened many times to the needs of our community. We have been stirred to pray. We have been awakened to serve. We have been awakened to the spiritual battles that happen around us every single day. We have been stirred from our slumber to the value and the need of church. So when God stirs a heart, wake up. Be ready. Get ready. When God stirs a heart. So I ask you this morning, what is God stirring your heart to do differently in this new season of life? What is he challenging your heart? What has God revealed to you over these last few months, this last year and a half, as he has planned, Pull us away from a normal life that we were used to and revealed to you about your life what is god awakening in you how can he use that stirring to put your hands your heart and your head to use to serve him A second chance occurs when God stirs leaders. The second thing here is a second chance occurs when we do something. Because a stirring of a heart should bring action. We are not truly stirred by God unless it brings some kind of physical change or some kind of action in our lives. This is seen when we worship. Worship requires an action. It is not something that is passive. So we see here that Cyrus, because his heart was stirred, he sends out a proclamation to his entire kingdom. The Persian Empire was vast. People say it stretched from the border of India all the way over to Greece, modern-day Greece. Think about how vast that empire was. But he sends out this proclamation throughout the land. Think about this. We have a story to tell, don't we? We have a proclamation of what God has done in our lives. Has God stirred your heart? Has he stirred your heart to what Jesus did for you? Think about this, when's the last time that you made a proclamation or told someone about what God has done for you, has God awakened your spirit? If he has, we must take action. We must do something about it. You know, we think about today and we think about taking action and sharing. The first thing that always comes to our minds is social media and how we can leverage it. We like to think about social media to share about what's happening in our Physical lives, but how often do we take that opportunity to share what God is doing in our spiritual lives? You can share Bethel's posts or quotes from the message that is shared on Sunday morning. You can tell how God has influenced and impacted your life and what He's doing in your life. Why don't we think about flipping social media upside down and getting rid of all the cesspool that's in there and sharing about? the amazing God that we serve. Let's keep reading here, verse 2 of Ezra, chapter 1. Thus says King of Persia. Here's his proclamation. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build, them, build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him, I love this. This pagan King Cyrus, he's recognizing, what does he call it? The God of heaven. In verse two, the God of heaven. He makes this proclamation of these these Hebrew people, these Jewish people who have been in bondage all of these 70 years. It's basically a generation. He tells them, go. I'm releasing you. Leave Persia Go back to your homeland of Judah and rebuild. Reset your lives. Build the temple of God. Rebuild your nation. I think right now many followers of Jesus after this reset that has happened in their lives are asking themselves the question, do they really need church? Why can't we just watch church online why can't we just worship with my small little family in our home each week it's clear throughout scripture that the people of God come together in community to worship a holy God many people have been a part of the church for years or wrestling with their need to be a part of a church God is clear that he wants us to rebuild. Cyrus, he understood God's authority. I'm amazed at this pagan king. Cyrus understood his purpose. Cyrus understood his leadership. Cyrus understood the cost of rebuilding. That's why he said, give them goods, give them livestock, give them whatever they need to go back and rebuild. You know, I think we look at that, we could say the same thing about Bethel. You know, we have a new gathering. It's like we are resetting as we move back into this facility. We have a purpose. We have a mission to fulfill, to love and lead one another, to find and follow Jesus. Our mission has not changed over these last 18 months. We have a unity among our church. We are resetting. We're going to rebuild. A second chance, third of all, occurs when God stirs people. Around 60,000 people 70 years prior went into captivity in Babylon. Now there's a lot more than 60,000 that were living in Judah, Jerusalem during that time, but what Nebuchadnezzar did is he took the smartest and the brightest of Judah into captivity. After seven years of exile, it was around 4,360 people returned back to Judah. Some decided to stay. Ezra 1 verse 5, it says, then arose up the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites Everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord, that is, in Jerusalem. And all who were about them aided them with vessels of silver, with golds, with goods, with beasts and with costly wares, besides all that was freely offered. Well, really you look here, some went back. Not all of them, Some stayed behind in Persia. Some stayed. But we can see here that all gave. All gave to the rebuilding of the nation of Israel. So where do you find yourself? Now is not the time to retreat. When When we think about what's happened in our world today, there is more reason now than 18 months ago for us to be engaged in the mission of God to reach our community. Because there are people today that are more aware of their need for a Savior than what there were before this whole mess started. People that need Jesus. We are not in a mode of retreat. Now is the time to lean in. Now is the time to be engaged and to push For the mission to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus is more important now than ever before. The importance of serving each other is more important now than ever. The message of Jesus is needed now more than ever. Isolation has taken its toll on our nation, on the world, and even our church. But we are ready for a reset and to see what God is going to do. God gave the world a reset moment when he sent his son Jesus into the world. You see, sin had creeped in. We think that that this COVID is just this awful thing, but there's something far worse than COVID. It's called sin. And sin is the cause of everything that is wrong with this world. We hit this today in our our youth small group this morning. Every virus, every ailment that our body feels, every war that's been fought, every part of the brokenness of this world is because of this awful, wicked disease called sin that has infected every part of our society and our thinking but you see god didn't just leave us in our sin god sent a great reset for humanity when he sent jesus into this world to live the perfect life that we were supposed to live to die the death that we should have died to pay the penalty for our sin to reset our relationship with God the Father so that we could look to Jesus and have forgiveness for our sin and have a reconciliation, a reset of our relationship with a holy God. Let's not waste this moment, church. Let's not waste this opportunity. It's doom and gloom and fear every time you turn on the news. Let's shut it off. Let's remember why we're here. We're here to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. And let's not allow the noise out there to distract us from the mission by which we have been called. Our mission has not changed, it will not change. If a virus much worse than COVID comes, God forbid, I hope that never happens, our mission does not change. Our mission is still the same because there are people in this world lost in their sin and they need the cure of Jesus in their life that's how i see as god awakening our church we must be awakened to our mission i see god moving the hearts of our people i see bethel planted in this community for such a time as this this lighthouse in a dark community you know i like to think about you know orlando is known for many things but mainly it's tourism Why not make Orlando and our community known for something different? Why not make it known for an unparalleled unity among churches, an unparalleled unity among ethnicities, an unparalleled desire to bring God glory, a place where hope abounds, a place where the church has great influence, and testimony as a part of this Reset Church. Do you realize that there are thousands of people every week moving into Central Florida? Let's not miss the opportunity that God is using in their lives to reset, that we can play a part. As you have that neighbor who moves in or that person that comes to your house to fix the AC or whatever it might be, Let's talk to them about this Jesus, this man who died for them. Let's tell them about how God can reset their lives. Church, we are a group of people who come together to worship and serve our Savior and then live life on mission together. Let's not forget what our mission looks like. Every moment of every day, every interaction with everyone we have, we should have the focus of, okay, God put this person in my life for a purpose, for a reason. How can I live my life on a mission to reach this person? You know, as we reset here in our church, we need some help. We need some help with our reset we need people to say, you know what, I'll be willing to, to greet people as they come in on Sunday mornings. I fully believe that God sends new people to our church when we're ready to receive them. And part of being ready to receive them is having people who will stand up and volunteer at church on Sundays to say, I'll be willing to greet out in the rotunda and welcome people. I'll be willing to help once a month in our kids' classes to work with kids. I'll be willing to work in the media, in the back, to help run the computer. Whatever it is that you find yourself being comfortable with, we need help to do this on Sunday mornings. I'll be glad to help with the tearing down of all of the stuff that we see as a part of our setup. Church, we need to get in this mindset of, I'm back engaged. I'm resetting my thought. So let me ask you, has God stirred and awakened your heart? to what he's doing around you? Or have you lost sight of that? Let's take some steps this week to proclaim what God is doing in your life. And I want to ask you, third of all, put yourself in a position to hear God's word and allow it yourself to take action. Let's pray. (laughs) I'm not you